is Ronnie Bumblefoot. Hey, Bumblefoot. Thanks for calling. My name is Mike Z. I'll be doing the interview with you today. Great. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for the time. I don't necessarily expect you to remember, but I think you'll remember the night. I met you briefly when you were playing with uh, Scott Stapp at St. Rock out in yeah. uh, Hermosa Beach. And I met mm-hmm. you in the lobby there with Shauna, and then Mike Gitter was there. And then, yeah. yeah, and then you guys. <laughs> yeah, and then Mike Gitter uh, ended up taking up the whole conversation like normal. <laughs> good dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to meet you face to face. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. But I'm glad we got to chat now. I was kind of like pissed at Mike, like, come on, I wanted to talk to Bumble, but here we are now. We get to chat now. So it all worked out. Beautiful. You know, I don't think I've ever heard the story. How did you get the name Bumblefoot? So Bumblefoot is the name of an animal disease, ulcerative protodermatitis. My wife is a veterinarian. Back when she was in school studying, that was what came across that ailment. As soon as I heard the name Bumblefoot, I was like, what the, what is that? I immediately got just, boom, I just wrote a song about this kind of superhero thing, half B, half foot. From there, when I had my first record deal in the mid-90s, the first album was called the Adventures of Bumblefoot and I named every song after a different animal disease. <laughs> so I had all these weird songs named after these or I should say these weird names of songs and then I created songs just from the diseases. So there was uh, Bumblefoot, Orf, Scrapey, Blue Tongue, Limberneck, Q Fever, Strawberry Foot Rot, Ick, Fistulous Withers, Strangles, Rinder Pest, all these weird diseases or just weird names. After that, I started my own record label and changed the name of the band that I had to Bumblefoot and started putting out Bumblefoot foot records. So for 20 years of putting out music where I'm the lead singer, lead guitar player, I'm the, the main face of it all, the consistent dude in the band. And it really became like a solo band and it became like a nickname. So it was really, it was a disease that became a song that became an album that became a band that became a nickname. Kind of like Alice Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Very cool. Uh, so you got to forgive me. I just ate a homegrown ghost pepper that my wife grew. Oh, and great. Took a little bite of it. <laughs> and my God, that thing was, I am on fire. So if I hear the phone drop and you run into the bathroom, I'll know what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we should talk about the the new solo album that came out in August. Little Brother is watching. Yes. So the Bumblefoot album, Little Brother is watching, that is just freshly released on David Ellison's record label EMP, and they put it out in retail on uh, vinyl and CD. And I gotta say, I'm so happy to see stuff on vinyl. I forgot how much I missed that. Well, it's almost like you don't realize what you're missing until you're holding the album in your hands. Yeah. And you realize it's like, my God, music, it's become over time, just with streaming and everything, the word that I hear very often is disposable. But I think that's why vinyl has made such a comeback because it brings it back to being art. Something tangible, something that you hold in your hands and you have a big album cover that's staring you in the face that warm sound and it's, it's something very physical dropping the needle so i'm really happy to see vinyl making such a big comeback and having my albums really for the first time on vinyl the first two albums that i put out in 1995 the adventures of bumblefoot and one after it hermit in 97 those were on a label shrapnel records and they were on roadrunner records in europe and japan just last year a new record label, The Orchard, bought the entire Shrapnel catalog. So now those albums are on The Orchard record label. They just put out the stuff on vinyl for the first time, and we I worked with them where we remixed an album and, and we added songs to both albums. So it's revitalizing, giving new life to all this music out there. And I'm happy to be part of that, where it's happening to my own music 
Um, it's great. Yeah, it's very refreshing, and, it, and it's been a real kick in the butt where <laughs> I've just been touring so much more and doing so many things and doing things I've never done before. I just came back from... I just came back a few hours ago from Detroit, but before that, let's see if I can say this in order. It was Japan, Thailand, Malaysia, Bangladesh, all around Ireland, all around Romania, Moldova, Poland, Denmark, all around France. Yeah, then I came home and, and did show in Battle Creek and in Detroit, and now we got more coming up uh, doing Vegas October 18th. We're doing the Whiskey yeah. October 19th, and then in San Diego at the Merrow. What I've been doing, besides full band you know the usual stuff where four guys sweating it out on stage right I started doing acoustic shows I started doing I've always done guitar clinics but now I'm doing this sort of hybrid where I'm doing like this one man show it's kind of semi storyteller and very spontaneous and a lot of back and forth with the audience so that's what I'm going to be doing in LA that kind of thing I'm just sitting on a chair face to face with the audience and <laughs> it's a lot of fun absolutely love it so no band just you and a guitar and that's it and a microphone yeah it'll be my first time at the whiskey doing that it's really my first time doing that in venues in the u.s i mean i've done a lot of things in schools as guitar clinics where it's just me and i've done these acoustic shows now doing a lot of them overseas this is something new it's kind of scary (laughs) (laughs) doing it for the first time it's like what am i doing up here i feel so naked uh, but by the second show it all started kicking in and like, I get it you know, as long as the audience is cheering and laughing at my horrible jokes and, and get to go back and forth a bit and, and interact because that's also something that I love so much more about this kind of storyteller-ish show is the interaction, the back and forth. You feel even more connected to the audience, like you're all part of the same thing. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of times the bigger the show, as you know, as, as bold and bodacious as it looks, you know, if you're playing in front of tens of thousands, but you can't interact with the audience as much other than, how you doing? Yeah! Right. Kind of thing. When you're just face-to-face with everyone and someone calls out, play some Rush! And you just get into a Rush song <laughs> or something, or, or you just start ripping on someone that you know and and just having fun it almost feels more like a big hangout in the living room and it's as personal as a show can get and i love that it's almost like a stand-up comedy but it ends up being that way i'm always saying to myself like just shut up and play stop talking (laughs) stop with the stupid jokes but then i start thinking of something that just cracks me up would you ever think about doing that doing like an open mic night and trying your skills and your luck at at stand-up oh god no (laughs) i think without a guitar as as my you know little linus blanket would just crumble (laughs) Let's also make sure we get caught up on everything you've got going on. Where are we at with Art of Anarchy? Art of Anarchy, we did two U.S. tours. The album uh, The Madness came out in March. We did two videos from it for the song The Madness and the song Echo of a Scream. We do have an acoustic version of the album where every song is is acoustic. So I've got to see if if we're going to put that out as well and see from there. Awesome. Love Echo of a Scream. I was joking with Scott when I was talking to him and saying that I think Yngwie would be proud of the shredding going on in that tune. <laughs> there's definitely there's a lot of guitar playing. Uh, John Boda, he when he rips in, like I grab the first solo and just you know do what I do, and then he just you know just tears into it. And he has when he grabs a solo, it just reminds me of old school thrash. Yeah, 
he just really attacks. And you produced that album, right? Yeah, yeah. I did the whole thing at my studio in Joyzy, recording, mixing, mastering, everything. Is that something That's you're starting I, to do more of? You know, I've been doing that a ton. Like, even before I joined Guns, that was some of the main thing I did. Like, I had my own music that I would put out, and I would tour mostly Europe. And I would do music for TV shows and video games and horror movies and things like that. And I would teach. I was Professor Bumblefoot at SUNY Purchase College in New York State. Wow. Teaching music production. And I have the second house that I gutted out in Princeton, New Jersey, where bands come in. They, they could crash out there and just work day and night. And I was producing maybe a good 10 bands at the time before joining Guns, like back in, in the earlier to mid-2000s. I've done a bit of that since, but between all the... The way touring has really taken over. <laughs> you still managed yeah. to uh, get another band. We got to talk about Sons of Apollo as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that album is coming out soon, Psychotic Symphony. One thing that's great about that album and the Art of Anarchy one, and there was another album that I put out, well, not that I put out, but uh, that I was part of two years ago. And I'll tell you about that one, too. All these albums, the band, they were all in one room, writing together, recording together in some capacity. You know, with technology today, it's so easy to just piece things together, and there's a disconnect. And when you don't have that disconnect, you know it. You can hear the difference. There's a spirit, and there's a energy where everyone is kind of feeding off each other and, and pushing the limit of each other. And definitely with Sons of Apollo, we had that. We started just throwing ideas back and forth, like Derek would send me a video of him playing keys to some part of a song, some crazy thing, and then I would have a little guitar riff, and, and I would send him and Mike, you know, just a little MP3. He's like, hey, what do you think of this riff? Just so we had something to start with, because the plan was we were going to go into a studio in Burbank, and just from March 1st to March 11th, we're making an album. That's it. We got 10 days to bang stuff <laughs> out. And we did. So we had a few ideas just for something to start with to work off of. And me, Derek, and Mike, oh, and for those listening, that's, that's Mike Portnoy <laughs> and Derek Sherinian, formerly of Dream Theater, the drummer and keyboard player, are the amazing, wonderful Jeff Scott Soto on vocals and Billy Sheehan on bass. I'm on guitar, back and vocals. Portnoy is on back and vocals as well. And what we did is we went into the studio and we made an album that we wrote and recorded together. So me, Mike, and Derek, the other guys were on tour still. So we were banging it out. We would just come up with ideas and just you know, play the band, three of us, recording everything that we were playing. And by the end of the day, there were song structures that evolved from that. And the next morning, we would come in and Derek would add a whole bunch of crazy keyboard parts over it or I would take the guitar part that I did the day before and it's exactly what I did and double it up so that one could be on the left speaker one on the right and it has a stereo imagery to the part things like that and then Billy finished up touring halfway through all of that and joined us so then it was the four of us doing that writing and recording and then when those days were up I went back to my place and I banged out guitar solos and Jeff got off the road and banged out his vocals and that was it we made an album you can hear all our influences from Van Halen to <laughs> old prog stuff like UK and a lot of just good metal riffs and classic rock stuff in there. It's an interesting coming together of identities, musical personalities. That's what every band is. That's what I always say. That's what we love about a band is you have these individuals that come together only once in the universe <laughs> that can happen. And it creates something that's only one of a kind. Whether it's the Beatles or whether it's Cannibal Corpse or whatever it is, right. there's just one of a kind and it'll never happen again and that is what makes bands so special you know they do something more than one human 
one spirit could ever make. Any talk of touring with that band, or is it kind of wait wait and see how the album does? Uh, no, we're planning. Uh, the plan is to tour all through 2018. We're starting with a cruise to the edge, which is a music cruise with Yes. Uh, we'll be on it. Thank you, scientists. Tons of great bands. Uh, after that, the plan is to tour and tour and tour and really just connect with the world, get you know one on one with everybody, and get out there and play. Very but, cool. Yeah, we will be out there doing that. So what I was, I know I'm talking up a storm here. I'm sorry. I just had a big cup of coffee, <laughs> so I won't shut up unless you shut me up. <laughs> um, these albums that I did, like Art of Anarchy, Madness, we made that one in a week and a half, all five of us in a room just writing day to night, just jamming and doing what a band does, hanging out and jamming and just recording anything that we're jamming and turning stuff into songs, solidify and get the structure and then turn into songs. So it was the same thing. We wrote half the album in a week and a half of us all, five of us in a room just hanging and jamming. And you can hear it. There's a certain oneness to the album that you can only get from doing that. Let me get your opinion on a couple things here, Bumble. A couple of things I'm kind of just uh, getting everyone's opinion on, kind of my own little survey, so to speak. And start with Metallica. Metallica is a band that I think we all agree we love. And I went through that whole phase where I, I got mad at them and they cut their hair and did the load and reload. And, you know, and I was I was I, I can admit it, but I was one of those guys that, you know, turned so you sour on them. Yeah. And then you were one that got mad at Lars when he started talking about this Napster. Thing. Yeah, uh, I did that whole thing, but I've come, I've kind of, <laughs> I've come full circle. You know, the the last couple albums have been good. The last album, Hardwired, was really good. Saw them on the stadium tour this summer, and now I'm full blown falling in love with them again. And it, you know, I realize the errors of my way, but kind of getting from everybody their Metallica moment and how they discovered Metallica. And do you remember the first time you heard Metallica and the impact it had on you? Oh man, yeah, going way back. You know, definitely it was right at the beginning, Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning. Everybody was talking about it. Uh, it was just the new sound of stuff, and, and they were the band. Well, they were definitely one of the bands. And I have vivid memories of Master of Puppets and, and hanging out with uh, high school friends, being at parties and people putting that on and just being amazed. So a way to describe it. It was, it was something so new and something that really felt like it said who you were and and the, the internal strife or struggles or, or just welled up intensity of emotions that you're just constantly choking back from, from letting explode at that age. And they they got it. <laughs> you know, they you know that they lived it and they were able to express it in a way that said it perfectly in their sound in in the melodies and the words and everything. Do you have a favorite yeah. song or two from them? Oh, oh man, definitely a lot of stuff off of puppets. But I mean, there's there's so many. There, there's, wow, how do you choose that? Into the fire from Kill Em All. just it was just so tight. You know, the verses, all that kind of stuff. Horsemen, four horsemen, just. 
you know, going back to that and hearing that for the first time, just the, you know, the the shuffle of it. Well, I feel like a kid again, just just even mouthing the songs. Um, <laughs> let me see. What are some of my favorites? Well, definitely battery. Just the way the harmonies kept building that one and the way it kicked in. Loved it. What else? What else? Uh, the song Puppets, of course. Yeah. Um, Anything from like the Black Album, say, or, or newer? Ah, uh, yeah, the Black Album from that. I mean, most of the the you know the usuals. Not not Sandman. I'm not that one as much as maybe uh, nothing else matters. Unforgiven. That one was just a beautiful piece of music there. Uh, and hearing you know just some of that that softer, lamenting kind of vocal sound that he had in the especially the choruses tailing out at the end and it felt like those choruses could just go on forever and ever (laughs) and it would never get old like it would just keep touching you awesome there's a reason that metallica is still around today and still the biggest metal band and they they deserve it they went through a lot of phases. Yeah, they cut their hair, but you know what? At some point, you got no hair left. <laughs> uh, you know, it thins out. I'm dealing with that right now. I feel like my hair is it's like, I tell everyone, I'm like, this is a damn rat's nest on my head. I got to cut this crap <laughs> off. It looks like garbage. There's no point in having it. I'm now looking like that dude, you know? The guy you see on the train is like, you can't tell if he's homeless or not. And that's me, you know? It's, just, it's like, man, clean yourself up, dude. It's just, that's life. You know, it's not... I know when when you're a teenager, you take it like personal. If someone cuts their hair. Yeah, you know, it, it's almost like putting the white flag in the air, saying, <laughs> "I surrender. I'm no longer metal. I'm no right. longer, you know, one of you." Right. But that's not true. No, not at you're all. Just run, you're just running out of hair. <laughs> Your hair's too thinned out, and it's starting to look just. You know, you don't want to look that way. You're better off having nicer short hair than uh, than the long one. crappy long hair that you just can't do anything with. <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose of having long hair. If it's not a 17-year-old, you know, shiny, thick hair, and now it's a 47-year-old, you know, there's only about 10 left in this part, and there's right. 20 hairs left over here kind of hair. It's time to let it go and, and embrace your aging. You know, I'm, I'm not dying my beard. Um, yeah, I earned every white hair on there. Absolutely. Uh, I'm proud of them. That, to me, I look at those things, it's like that is, you know, each one of those hairs is like a life well lived that I've experienced stuff and I've learned stuff and um, I feel good about it. I was going to say, let me ask you about one other thing I'm, I'm getting people's opinion on. Metallica, the big four, right? We all know that, right? The big four, Slayer, Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth. Okay, great. So that was the kind of the big rage a couple of years ago. And I've been kind of sitting around trying to think of the next generation and, and, and something to call it. So I've come up with the Flannel Five. Looking at the <laughs> looking at the grunge era, we're talking mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, mm-hmm. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Who would be your favorite yeah. and why? Oh, that's a tough one. It was kind of the, the music that I was making at the time, and everyone was telling me, you can't do that. you got to be wearing colorful spandex and kicking in the air and <laughs> singing about going to parties. Like, but that's not me. <laughs> and then I remember the first time hearing uh, Outshine, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, for me, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, all the uh, grunge guys, you can hear that there was like this classic 70s rock influence of things like Sabbath, 
Beatles, but there was also the 60s Beatles influence of that musicality that was in there. And also just a, a touch of punk. It's almost like, for me personally, I felt like when I heard that music, it's like we have the same roots and we've come from the same place. That's what it felt like a bit. You know, I heard some old punk in there and just the old classic 60s, 70s stuff. And what really did it most for me, just his voice, Chris Cornell's voice was Soundgarden. Yeah. Uh, the way they just played with tension musically. And right behind that, definitely Alice in Chains. I remember hearing the song Wood, Angry Chair when that album came out. And, and I was like, man, I wish I could write songs like that. <laughs> it's just like, it's so, it's so, it comes from such a, a deep place. Deep, yeah. dark place. Love Alice in Chains, yeah. Yeah. And Nirvana, I didn't have to admit, I was not a fan until I heard In Bloom. Yeah, until me I heard too. that song. You know, Teen Spirit came out, I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Come as you are. Yeah, but when I heard In Bloom, I was like, all right, now I get it. I appreciate all the, the feedback and just having some fun. And if I could just ask you one one last question before I wrap up here, one about the old band. If if you could uh, maybe pick a favorite from your uh, G&R days, maybe one that you were on and, and then one that you played live. So much good stuff live. I would say one that I was on from that... I would have to go with Shackler's Revenge. I was doing a lot of backing vocals and a whole lot of switching between fretted and fretless and definitely from the Chinese democracy stuff. Shackler's Revenge was a great one to play live and one where I felt like I contributed a lot more compared to some of the other songs. Uh, so that one just... I felt more of a personal... Uh, I don't know if connection is the right word or just... I felt like I made a baby with them. <laughs> some of the other ones, I felt like I was kind of in the room, but maybe right. <laughs> not quite the same. Uh, even though I did play on every song and I did you know, write parts for every song and record them and all. But that one, I contributed the most. And I felt good about that, that I was able to contribute a lot in that song. Uh, and then as far as the whole rest of the catalog of, of songs, tons of stuff. And you know, the obvious one, Sweet Child of Mine, why? Because that's the one that got some of the biggest cheers in the audience, and that's what it was about. That's why we're there. That's why we were playing. Whatever's going to make people the happiest and and lift them the most. And that was one of the songs that did it. Jungle, Night Train, Paradise, November Rain. Uh, I loved playing Don't Cry when I, the first year of touring together in 2006, 2007, uh, we didn't do that song as a band, and fans always write to me and say, why don't you do Don't Cry? Don't... So what I started doing in my guitar solo, when it was time for me to uh, do my thing, I just started playing this sort of one-man version of it, bringing in the, the chords and the melody and everything, and the audience would sing along. Oh, cool. And then eventually, uh, it became part of the set from there. I remember it was in Tokyo in 2007, and we were ending the show. Yeah, I didn't grab a solo that night, and I remember Axel said to me, he's like, hey, let's go out second encore, and, and still don't cry, and, and I'm gonna join you. And it was the first time he, he did that song live in over a decade, from what I understand. Wow. And then it, from there, became part of the set. So it's thanks to you that it made it, its way back into the set. Oh. I'm not taking any credit. <laughs> it's just it's just the way the the planets aligned, and it just worked out that way. But uh, where we ended up starting to play it again, which is good, and I and 
the fans wanted and, and whatever makes them happy. That's why we're there. Yeah, total. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. It was good good talking with you, and uh, good luck the rest of the tour. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for your time, and it's great chatting with you. We'll see you around, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.